At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. On this computer. Okay. And we are recording. You want to start it this time? Why not? <laughs> Hello, everyone. My name is Sandra Dorsey. I am the founder and CEO of Sendor Capital. And I would love to, int- um, to welcome you back to another episode of Charged Up Studio. And I am here with my co-host, Donna. Want to say hi? Hi, Sandra. Hi, everybody. Dana Olivo with Marketatomy, LLC. Um, and we are excited to be back with you today. This is our third episode in season two, and we're still moving forward with our political debates and political face-offs here. Uh, in fact, this session uh, was originally going to be one thing, but we're hanging on to the political side because there's been some new news and the latest presidential debate that we feel as though we need to talk about. Right, Sandra? Of course. And and I think, you know, Donna must love me because she agreed to this and I thought we were going to stay away from it. Actually, I didn't think I was going to watch it because I knew it was going to be the usual rhetoric and the usual um, impartiality, uh, or I should say partiality. It was going to be impartial because I know, um, the audience knows that I, I tend to lean conservative, but I'm really a true libertarian at heart. And I do say that, I said that on the last, last um, show that I don't even think Trump is a, that diehard conservative, which is why many conservatives, including Colin Powell, are encouraging voters to vote for Joe Biden. People like, you know, the Bush family and um, McCain was definitely not a Trumper. And so there are many. They actually have a group called the Lincoln Project um, that are anti-Donald Trump. So I, like Donald Trump, I'm someone who likes to stand on my own. I voted Libertarian twice in the 16 election, in the 12 election. So it's not, I am definitely not a partisan by say. I am an issue person I, I I listen to the conversation and I'm I'm a, I become informed to make a decision. So people can't win me because I I vote party. I vote conscience and I feel that we we should you know as a country um should lean to, you know should gravitate toward more conscience than party. But you know there are people who say no only two parties I say you know what Third party is not a bad idea. They have many parties in the UK. So yes. what do you think? Well, you know, I agree with you. You know, even though, um, excuse me, I'm registered Republican, okay? I never vote according to party lines. I've got to sneeze. So if it comes, I apologize here. <laughs> well, you can but, edit it. Edit yeah, I can edit it out. So, um, but anyway, um, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm registered Republican, but I've never voted according to um, my party lines. I've always voted as far as the issues are concerned. 
Mm-hmm. And, and my gut feeling as far as those issues are concerned, especially as a small business owner, how is it going to affect my business? How is it going to affect my family? You know, all of this. And uh, with that being said, you know, the presidential election last night, again, it was presidential not- debate. I mean, debate. I, I apologize. The presidential- you, We want to get to the election right away. Be done with this, right? Well, well, we'll get to that, yes. But the presidential debate last night um, was much tamer than the first presidential debate. Absolutely. I didn't watch the first. Yes. Much tamer than the first presidential debate. And I noticed that um, although they were being very um, conciliatory towards each other, I did notice that, that bias again. As Absolutely. far as Biden is concerned, what are your thoughts? You, you, you were talking to me about, you know, you noticed that there were times when they had lowered and raised the, the sound. The volume. They, the volume. they muted Donald Trump. They muted Donald Trump. Donald Trump was tamed. The way I analyzed it is I was able to see him in a way where he seemed, he showed up. He had a, I'm here attitude. But he wasn't here, here. Because well, remember, the real Donald, you know what I mean? He wasn't his normal, full on Donald just, Trump. He just got out of the hospital, too. I think, no, that's, I watch his, his rallies from yeah. the last week. He's been so back, to, he's like Donald Trump exponential. Right. It's like he's never been before. The thing is, he showed up because he had to, but he knew he could not be his true authentic self because he was like, he, he did say in the last debate with Chris Wallace that I'm debating both of you. He, can, he made his team informed him and prepared him that he was not only going to have an opponent next to him, but he was also going to have the moderator as an opponent, because these people are biased. And it's a shame, even though she did call out um, Biden on, um, on a few things. So we could go, we could go, um, we could go one by one, some of the topics that, you know, they talked about. So the first topic was um, the fighting the COVID. Mm -hmm. That was a big one. Mm-hmm. So what are your thoughts, Donna, about what, you know, they both said? Because, you know, Donald Trump is in the driving seat for COVID and, um, and um, Joe Biden is, a, is part of the, you know, he's the observer, right? So it's so easy to be the observer in, when you're in the driver's seat. So what do you think as far as well, what, how President Trump responded it's, it's, in Joe Biden? Let me just preface this by saying that there was an article that came out yesterday in the Florida Trend magazine and it challenged the number of deaths supposedly caused by COVID. I don't know if you saw that, okay? No, I did not. Yes, it did. Evidently, it wasn't just um, Florida Trend, but there's been several politicians, uh, the medical community, everybody who is coming behind and saying, look, the, the statistics are false, that they are overinflating the number of deaths as a result of COVID versus something else. And this is something I've believed in all along. You know, I've Mm -hmm. always felt that uh, what really pushed all of this COVID and and put the fear of God into 
all of the the world is the media. The media, the media has exaggerated this to no end. And for self-interest for self. And, and, and what that's done is it's, it's basically it's frozen our economy. It's frozen everything. You know, we, we we can't go to work like normal. We can't enjoy our families, like our funerals, our, our weddings. We can't do any of that anymore without second guessing, you know, um, not only the COVID, but the reactions of other members of the family, you know, or whatever, if we happen to go there. Absolutely. We should stay away. Absolutely. You know, our audience is growing. So we have people all over the world who listen to us now. I mean, the way, you know, we talk, there are some Scandinavian countries who have handled it. I believe it's Norway that handled it very differently than the United States. And of course, Britain, who has on been on such lockdown in Britain, you can't even visit family members, you can't go to your houses, you can't even go into the yard of somebody's yard. You, you know, parents can visit their children. It's, it's just become so insane. And even though, I mean, you, this is what, it's a defining moment in, in, in global politics, because what happens now is we are truly, you know, this is the test of leadership because how each country handles COVID is a, um, how can I say, a define me moment for that person's, um, how can I say that person's character and that person's, um, you know, crisis management skills, right? So, cause this is a crisis management, you know, and I was, I remember when I was studying um, conflict analysis and resolution, you know, I was doing my graduate work and I remember the one thing that I kept remembering, they kept throwing, you know, pushing in, you've got to recognize what the problem is before you can find the solution. And the, th- the people are, have, are, are so hyped up on the one culprit. President Trump said yesterday, you cannot make the solution worse than the problem, right? What he means by that is, you are implementing lockdowns, executing orders, you know, from each state and making sure that people stay home. Kids are not, he goes, we got to reopen the schools. We got to reopen the school. He kept saying it, you know, and what it is, it's not now, it's the problem is becoming um, a second, an afterthought. Yes. The solution is becoming so, you know, the so problem. damaging, damaging. Yes. Yeah. To every, I mean, if you look at the educational system, if you look at the economy, if you if you look if if you look at mental health, yeah, you know, which we will talk about in future episodes. I, you know, I I don't know where you know how these people are able to look at themselves and you know and actually be okay with some of the decisions these leaders. And you know, we talked about the global stage, whereas the UK is constantly the, the mayor of London has pretty much shut down the, the their that city. I mean, this that city depends on tourism. Um we talked about last time there was a there is a mayor. No, I it was another conversation I was having. There is a tour bus company in London who's gone from 50 buses per day to one bus a day. 
that yeah. cannot be a good wow. formula for 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 survival so covid um is not even the conversation anymore no. but it's more now surviving covid right right surviving right. because if we don't have the right implementations in place then there won't be survival this country will be and they say that donald trump is the one that predicts doom and gloom because he well let me take back a minute first they said that he what he didn't take it seriously enough right he didn't take it seriously enough i but don't think that down, he shut down all all travel between china and us immediately then they said, he did that absolutely and then they said he was racist because yeah. they said he was racist and xenophobic. And yeah, last night he brought about the point again of the, um, Nancy Pelosi wanted to show how uh, aligned she was with China. So she went and hung out in Chinatown to show off because she didn't take it seriously where he was saying to be cautious and not be in crowds. She went to some, I think, Asian festival in San Francisco mm-hmm. and defying the president and to show that I am with the Chinese people. So, um, well, I just did air quotes because you can't see me, <laughs> but I was like the Chinese people air quotes. But th- the thing is, they've lost their way. And I say they, it's not party at this point, it's anti-Trump. So if Trump said it, and Kamala Harris in her debate, the um, vice presidential debate, she said, I will do the doctors tell me to do, but I definitely won't do it if Donald Trump says it. What is that? Yeah, it's just the president of the United States. Yeah. yeah. You think he's out to get us? I mean, so Donna, you know, I have a lot to say, but I want to bring you in because you do have a more balanced and more objective perspective. I do have to um I just have to out myself as a very clear Trump supporter. But when it comes to policy, (laughs) I'm out, I'm the advocate for small business. The reason Donald Trump has won my vote, because I didn't vote for him in 2016, is because he is a job creator. He focuses on the economy and he focuses on what's good for the GDP of this country. Production, consumption, production, consumption. And that is that is a businessman's way of thinking. Okay, when which is the main reason why um, the Democrats or politicians in general are so upset is because he does not back down. Now, I am not a Trump supporter per se, okay, but that doesn't mean I wouldn't vote for him if I felt comfortable that he's doing what he said he was going to do, which he is doing what he said he was going to do, all right? Um, Now, as far as, um, uh, oh, where was I going with this? So you're not a Trump supporter and, you know, I understand that. And, you know, he's, he's won me over. He's won you over. You're well, more about the facts than the feelings. That's right. Much right. It's not, it's not the man that I am voting for is what I'm saying. Okay. It's what he can do and what the policies are and, and, and how they resonate with me. All right. Biden on the one hand, okay, I don't agree with the finger pointing. Right. I don't agree with um, his adamant. Um, how He's blaming I Trump for everything. He. Uh, They're no, making it seem stop, like he killed two hundred thousand people. Stop passing the blame and take some responsibility for what you might have done as well. 
All right. This is important to understand is, you know, rather than spending these debates pointing fingers, let's talk about the issues. Absolutely. And, you know, on the point of, you know, COVID, because that's how they started the debate. I mean, I think the whole debate, the whole debate was pretty much they tried to stay away from it, but it kept coming Mm -hmm. back to COVID because that's how that was um, Biden's way of slamming Trump and making him look back. He's such a scripted politician. And, you know, I'm going to have to be transparent here. Every time he looked into the camera and he was trying to speak to the people, I was like, you're creeping me out. You're really creeping me out. But one of the things that Biden talks about is, um, you know, he, he, where, because he uses, um, he, Trump came out to attack Fauci and Fauci who said, don't wear a mask and then said, wear a mask, went to a baseball game and was hanging out without a mask. So you gotta, you you know, you gotta put your money where the mouth is. So is he immune? Is it, is it, it, I need to understand how the law of, um, you know, physics in the law of, you know, medical, right. the medical works, because if you're the one, the, if you are the messenger, that means you're immune. Just mm-hmm. like, you know, we go to church and the right. preacher says, do as I say, don't do as I, 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 I do. So, you know, uh, you're saying that um, you don't have to do the things that you're speaking about, but us, you're really looking like your right. parent telling us right. it hurts me to, but I have to protect you. Well, it's, it seems like a two-sided um, story here because I'm a, you know, I'm a logical thinker. I'm going to look at what you're doing and I'm going to listen to what you're saying. And it just, they don't, they don't connect. So Biden has said that he's going to have Fauci in his administration. It's now like Fauci is like this chess play, you know, this chess strategy move. Because right. if I say I like Fauci, then that means I'm for the people. If, if Because Trump is saying he doesn't like Fauci and his strategy, that means he's trying to harm people. Right. Well, you know, we have to be clear about this. Many doctors have come out against Fauci. There's mm-hmm. been a correlation and they really, and social media has been trying to silence those medical professionals. You've heard about those, haven't you, Donna? I've, I've heard a little bit about them. Yes. I haven't really you know, followed it that much. Yeah. It's not, we're not a conspiracy theory. And, you know, sometimes I have to not, I have to be careful not to go down the rabbit hole because there are so many things out there. He says, hey, she says. I think, I think, um, I think that's where you and I differ. I do fall more to the conspiracy side of things. And I don't like to call it conspiracy because what it is, I think I heard the term conspiritualists are those who do the research to find out the true answers as opposed to just hearing what is being said. Okay. And that's what I tend to do. You know, I I think I told you that my son is even more so, you know, And so when he talks to me, I know he's done the research, so I don't question it, you know, as far as that's concerned. But, you know, the fact of the matter is, is we have been controlled for so many years by political rhetoric, by political um, um, strategy. It's called propaganda. Yeah. Well, propaganda to me is marketing. So I guess it would be. Yeah. But by political marketing themselves. Yeah by political strategy um, to position themselves as the right one. The saviors of the world. Right, which is ridiculous because no one person is a savior of the world. And I don't need saving. He's he's a leader. That's it. 
And leaders don't blame, first of all. And a leader and a servant of the country. Right. He is here to serve the country. We elect these people as civil servants, you know, for a time frame. First of all, let's talk about Biden's record here. Almost 50 years. My goodness. In, because in you know, politics. Yeah. I go back of you know, um, I go back to what I was saying about Donald you were saying that he seemed more calm. I think Donald Trump was just like, This is a losing battle. I'm not even gonna come and spar with this man because they're gonna shut me down. Right. Let me just watch him unravel because he's gonna pretend to be something he's not. First of all, he was in the Senate for so many years, then he ran for president. This is the third time running for president. You know, that was the same with Donald with Hillary Clinton. He she ran for the th- for three three times. And then he was in the White House for eight years. What was he doing? Is it, it's all of a sudden, it's like he didn't have any power in the White House. Then all of a sudden, he, he's, he woke up to the fact that, oh my God, I can get power now. And if this time you get me elected, I will do those things. Really? I mean, how do people not see that? Right. What, the rec- your record should show for you what, you what have you done? It's not like you've just been, you know, um, sort of frozen in a cell, you know, those sci-fi films when you, they just like have these people floating in cells and also they wake them up. He's been like in the cell. He's been right. waiting for 2020 to wake up. And now he's, he's got all these great ideas. He's got, and I'm, this is not a Biden bashing, you know, episode, but I'm just trying to clarify here. So we want to get to some other issues and because, you know, um, I could go on last night was so filled with so much at the end. I, like I said, I, I watched an hour and I said, okay, I gotta go. And then so we, he talked about American family. And this is when the propaganda starts, right? So he looks right into the camera. You remember that moment where he yeah. looked at you. If you're at the dinner table and he starts scaring people, you know, and he's talking, you're talking about, and um, Donna, you and I have been talking about, had, had you know, behind the scene conversation about healthcare and everything. So he pulls people in and starts talking about, do you know that 8 million people, he will close down Obamacare and 8 million people will be out of, insurance and Donald Trump was like well 150 million people have insurance so 8 million people will find a way so if you want to shut down all these other insurance companies you're not giving people trust He's, Donald Trump said there are 150 million people who actually like their insurance right now right so 8 million of Obamacare is a sort of small ratio in comparison to those who actually like their insurance most people who have Obamacare don't necessarily like Obamacare. So that's the But they wouldn't have had insurance in the first place. Right. So I remember I was living in the UK and I was filing taxes and they penalized me for not having insurance, but I wasn't in the US. You know, I was filing taxes in the US, but I wasn't in the US. Right. And in in Europe, insurance is included, right? Absolutely. It's what you call, they have, but you have a 20% tax. So, you know, we, again, the show is about educating and informing you. Right. We want to, you know, to let you know as a small business owner, and we talked about this last time we talked, when we talked about the minimum wage. So when we think about the, you know, the raise, raising the minimum wage, which was not a topic during the debate, not that I heard of, not directly, but if you have to pay for your um, employees insurance and you have to increase the minimum mm-hmm. wage how and what how does that position you to compete in your market so those are the things that you have to consider because nothing that the government gives is ever free right yeah so um if they were to provide some form of universal universal health care 
because that's where they're going. Obamacare, he said, would become Biden public something care. Do you remember what he what the, what was the term that he used? Something public access. It's universal health care. Right. He would just take Obamacare to another level and shut down the insurance companies. So don't think that you wouldn't have to pay for your employees' health care anymore because it's going to come out of your pockets anyway through the form of income of tax taxes. They're going to tax corporations, right. they're going to tax your individual taxes. So all that Biden is proposing. So I just saw two clear things when we talk about American family. So now the other thing was Trump is talking about opening up schools. So the American family, the, the women in are having to stay home now to take care of their kids who right. are being homeschooled. What is that doing to your employees who now cannot come to work anymore and because they have to care for their kids at home? So, you know, we want to bring you these issues from a small business standpoint, small to medium sized business, as you're dealing with your employees, how many of your employees will have to, to, you know, work remotely. And that's another topic we'll talk about in future episodes. But for now, the American family is somewhat fragmented. We talked, they also talked about, as far as the American family, people who are looking for a stimulus check. And are now, I think there um there have been eight million people added to the poverty level um in American, and those numbers may not be correct. So, what is that doing? Why is Nancy Pelosi not writing a check to those American people because they want Trump out? Yeah. You know, um. So the American family to me um, means that you feel that you are in charge of the American family. Okay, so I don't talk about God a lot. I just think they just bring to bring God into this equation and really check their conscience as to what's their role here? Are they playing God with people's lives? Right. When they talk about the American um, f- family, you know, the, the another thing that when it comes to American family that Trump is trying to put out there is safety right? He's a law and order candidate, he calls himself. But Joe Biden hasn't openly said it, but the people who support him want to defund the police. So when you think about American families and American businesses, you, the business owner, need to feel safe in your neighborhood. You need to know that if there was an incident in your business, you can call 911 to come and help you. Right. So- you know, you know, th- there's so much that we could be talking about. You know, there's more that I want to get to as far as this is concerned. So I think this is probably going to extend into another session um, as far as, especially with the new reports coming out as, as far as early polling and everything. I'd like to get into that. But for this session, we are at the end. Um, I had to cut send her off here <laughs> it's okay mute me they <laughs> muted the president i i think i can handle being muted okay and so we're going to go ahead and close out this session and we will continue this debate on our next session sandra well hello again um and not hello i said <laughs> edit out, that out yeah. well thank you again for joining us for another wonderful 
um, podcast of Charged Up Studio. My name is Sandra Dorsey. I'm the founder and CEO of Sendor Capital. We so love you. We want to educate, inform, and empower you through this podcast. Definitely. And I'm Dana Oliva with Marketatomy LLC. And we look forward to talking more. All right, so we'll just continue going. Um, so I'll tell you the other topics quickly so you could be ready, prepared. So we have race relations, we have national security, we have um, uh, climate change. Yep, exactly. I want to get have the, yeah. We have foreign policy, yeah. China. Yeah, those are the points that I want to get to. And then we have the early voting uh, analysis that came out from the uh, University of Florida. Okay. okay, you can you can take charge of that because I have. That yeah, and uh, you know the main thing I want to point out is um, because we have opened up since Obama, we've opened up um, um, the propaganda that president elects are using. Okay, to social media, it had, and then with COVID. You know, how has that impacted the number of early votes coming in? Yep. Okay. So, all right. You ready to start? Yep. And I'll start this one. Yep. Well, welcome back, everyone. This is Dana Oliva with Marketatomy LLC, and we are here with Sandra Dorsey, and we are Charged Up Studio. We're going to continue our conversation, uh, political conversation that we had the last session. Sandra, are you ready? I am ready today, and I've always been ready for this time. This session, we wanted to kind of get into a little bit more about what happened during our latest presidential debate, and let's talk about the issues more than the actual politicians. Yes, okay? I agree. So let's begin. Um, I know that, let's, let's first talk about the wage, the increase in wage. And I know that Biden is one that is definitely in for the increase in wage. How does Trump feel about that? Well, Trump is a job creator, you mm -hmm. know, so Trump is a job creator. So he's always going to talk about the economy and the impact that it's going to have on businesses. So are you as a small business owner? And of course, you know, I am an avid supporter and not because I, I, you know, he won my vote. I was not, I didn't vote Republican for two cycles, two presidential cycles. And so I, he is trying to stabilize the economy. And he talks about, you know, if you go back before COVID, look at the economy, look at her numbers, you know, look at the stock market, you know, and, and, and Biden says, well, people in middle America don't care about the stock market. And of course, we're not going to talk about the politician. So, well, that is a good point that he made. You know, people in the middle of America do not care. If you have a small convenience store in the middle of America, you're not thinking about, you know, what, how the stock market is doing. You're thinking about how consumption is doing because you want people to come and consume. If you have a small gas station, you know, in the middle of America, I travel all the time to Georgia, which is where I go to on my meditation retreats, and I get to see the southern part of the United States. And this is where I get my good grits. But, um, 
you know, but then, you know, those people are not worried about the stock market, you know, and it's interesting. I come out of my meditation retreat and I'm like, what's the news? What's happening? You know, I was, I was there for 30 days back right before COVID and I couldn't wait to go to the gas station because I was like, what's the news? And they were like, well, we don't listen to the news. We're like, we don't know what's going on. You know, they care about their own backyard, their own environment. You know, of course, they will pay attention to certain things, but they don't, they're not glued to the TV like people who have 401ks for, you know, and who have, you know, um, in, vested interest. So as far as president, going back to your um, question about the um, minimum wage, you know, the, how President Trump feels about the wage, he, he feels that we definitely needs there's room for improvement, but it cannot be drastic. It needs to be gradual. It cannot be, it cannot jump from one point to another because, you know, you're not taking into consideration the small business owner who has to pay those wages. They have to gradually build up. It's like, you know, a, a, a person who's buying a house, you know, they went from uh, owning a condo for 25000 I can't remember last time I, I found a condo for 25000 but that's just an example, <laughs> to buying a $2.5 million property you know that can happen you win the lotto but you know unless they get you know small businesses have the proper measures in place without digging to their reserves because you want and we always encourage you on the show you know to do to have common sense and you know sense just financial sense as well because you just because the government says it doesn't mean you're going to have to break your bank to do it but be prepared so donald trump says we need to have a strong business in place before we can make those leaps, you know, because we do want people to increase their quality of life, which is what they're trying to do. But also this, this cannot happen overnight. This needs to well, be a process. And, and, and I fully agree with you as a business owner myself, you know, um, you know, we have to take into consideration, you know, yeah, it's an increase in wage that that minimum wage workers could use. Okay. But what is the purpose behind this wage increase? Is it to um, uh, strengthen the, um, the earning potential so that they will give back to the GDP or is it strictly to raise them above poverty? Okay. It's, it's a bit of both. Actually, it's probably a mixed one. But the, for the, the people who are pushing that rhetoric, it's just to raise their profile. I know we're not going to talk about the politics. Yeah, no, but. no, no, no. Yeah, and, and, and I agree, you know, um, as far as the people who are pushing it and, and it's a popularity contest, really, when you think about it, you know. Absolutely. I've done, I've done a lot of work down in Brazil. And in Brazil, every single person is required by law to vote. We don't, it's not a privilege per se. It's a requirement in Brazil. And when you think about Brazil is um, probably uh, a nice 30, 60, 70% split between the affluent and the poverty. You know, when you, when you look at the favelas and things like that, that's where the, the bulk of, you know, uh, the uh, Brazilians live is below the poverty line. Right. And so when they're required by law to vote, if they're 18 years or older, okay, naturally they're going to be voting for the person who's going to make their lives better. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, who, you know, 
who who says they're going to make their lives better exactly exactly right and we don't want to fall into a situation here where we are voting on a popularity contest Mm -hmm. without having a solid plan in place absolutely and i don't want to be voting for a wage increase that's going to end up ruining businesses because they can't afford to do this or it's going to decrease the morale of other employees because they're at a level and these minimum wage increase employees are moving closely to their level and they're not moving up. You know what I'm saying? The morale of employees. Absolutely. Well, you know, I want to tie that in because I've always tied the increase in in, in the minimum wage to healthcare because it falls on the back of the, of the business owner. And, you know, Biden, you know, and Biden is advocating right now for Obamacare, which requires that employers pay for their, um, for their employees, which is a great, great idea in, in theory, you know, Mm -hmm. but in reality, you know, as you were saying, we're both small business owners. So in reality, you know, how realistic is it? Because what he's advocating for is Obamacare with something called a public option. That's the term I was looking for previously. And it's currently saying that it's going to be offering an expansion of existing public programs. It's, and it's going to be called Biden Care. So, you know, it, it, all these things in theory, you know, these socialized systems in theory are really good, but they're never free. So as a small business owner, we want to, to look at it from this, from this angle. So you're going to have to increase your minimum wage. You're going to be mandated to pay, um, to pay more taxes, you know, and there's, there, it's rumored that they could go as much as 50 to 70% because the corporations, they're saying, because technically small business or not, you're a corporation. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're, uh, L, if you're uh, uh, S Corp or LLC, you're a corporation. They don't, they don't care about the size, mm-hmm. but they do, what they do care is the structure. So unless you're like a sole proprietor, then um, you may be immune to some of these, some mandates, but who's paying you're going to have to pay so if it's if it's a, a sort of a hybrid um system where the government pays for some of the health care and then you are you you have another form added to that of obamacare where as a business owner you are mandated to provide health care so your taxes are going to increase right one and then you're going to have to pay for health care for your employees too and then three, you're going to have to pay, um, you're going to increase the minimum wage. So where does that leave you? That, I mean, that's a conversation that needs to be had. And of course, I applaud them for wanting to take care of people. But in essence, you're really not taking care of people. You're creating dependence on the government. Because- and, and, and that is, in, and I hate to say this, but that is the de- democratic mindset. The democratic Absolutely. mindset is you know, uh, the, the personal governmental handouts for everything. And I'm not against government helping out, but there has to be a plan. There has to be a plan for if somebody is on welfare, what is that plan to get them off of welfare? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. So that's the thing. Um, because you know, the government, the democratic party's platform is, is revolves around entitlements. And one of the things that Donald Trump talked about yesterday, President Trump talks about that 
you know, Biden proposed anything that Biden had proposed regarding healthcare would destroy Medicaid and Medicare and Social Security to you know, two popular program, which is, you know, somewhat government programs as well, but still give you a, you know, because I know, I remember for, um, after Enron, if you remember the big debacle with Enron, mm -hmm. a lot of people lost their 401k and all right. they had to deal, right. you know, they had their social security. That's the only safety net that they had. So if these big, you know, Biden, Biden care, Biden care, Obamacare, you know, take over and they destroy Social Security and Medicare because they are draining the uh, the reserves of the government. What would that look like for a small business owner? We have to take that into consideration. So, right. you know, that leads me back to, um, you know, um, safety to another topic that, we, you know, you and I are, you know, we've right. had conversation about. So what are your thoughts about, you know, how they... Um, tie in to what, what how they were discussed yesterday safety uh you know border security um and um let's see oh we, it was it was, I, I it, was all, it was all over the place it yeah, was all um, over the place so there are two things here as far as safety we're talking about we have race in america and we have also um race in america and we have you know national security right so the it seems that those two have been tied together because national security um includes border security right because one of the points that were made is you know back to 9-11 some of the people that came into the country were through the border right and so um but you know they have sort of crafted this message that if you want to close the border then you're a racist Mm -hmm. And you are not, you don't care about people's plights. And I have traveled all over the world coming in out of this country. Every time I come into the United States, back to my country, um, which is home to me, I think about, my goodness, how do we still have homeless people here? How do we have not, the, how do we not have American people cared for? And there is that. So when we're talking about security, we have to think about the homeless population and how we're caring for those people. And one of the points that um, that was made that were made last night was about just that. Um, let's see, I'm going all over the place because I'm trying to look at my notes that I took from yesterday. Um, let's see here. It talks about where does it talk about natural security? So national security. So we're talking about um, Trump lockdown um, because of COVID. Right. And, and he banned- it originally, it originally started just with China. Okay. But then it expanded into Europe, you know, as far as the lockdown, you know, and stuff like that. And, and what he did, I think was correct. Okay. We had to stop and close those borders. Oh, I know what he, one of the things that on that topic, thank you for yeah. reminding me. One of the things, were you going to, we're going to say something? I didn't mean no, to. No, I was going to say, we had to close our borders in order to get control of the virus here. Absolutely. Okay. The and other thing on national security that he talked about, the program called Catch and Release. Catch and Release is a program when somebody comes through the border with undocumented, you know, I don't like to use the word illegal alien, but let's call them they undocumented. Yeah. But, you know, they put, throw them into the justice system and they just release them. And they say, come back to court. 
who does that? I no, know. No, 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 no. I mean, really. No. And Biden was like, well, they are good, upstanding. Well, I'm paraphrasing. But he was advocating for them. You know, I'm sure they are good people. But let me tell you, those people came with an intention of staying in the United States. Yeah. That's the plan. So putting them through the justice system is not going to be an effective, you know, a strategy. So Trump was like, well, 90% of them are not, are not necessarily the best. There are people who come across with, you know, with very negative agendas for the United States. This caution release needed to go away because you can't release people. But then you don't have the space to store, to, to, to house people who are undocumented because they need to go back to their country. And so the, the other th- point was that was made was about family separation. So when these people, a lot of them are coyotes, uh, and a coyote is, you can Google it, I'm not an expert, is someone who is paid to bring families, kids across. Some of these coyotes use kids as sort of props Mules. to make their profile look good at the border so they can cross. Right. So when these kids are found with these people, or not necessarily their parents, because they're like, they all come with their parents. That's not true. Not all of them come with their parents. Some come with their parents, but not all. So they have to put these kids somewhere. The United States, they can't even take care. The United States is now barely taking care of its own children. There is a poverty, you know, um, epidemic in this country, especially now with COVID families with the uh, opioid epidemic, you know, it's, it's in the unemployment. So putting kids um, in a special facility is definitely necessary until they can figure out what to do with the parents. So Biden talks about where you put them in cage and I wanted to reach out in the television and I'm, I have a smile on my face because you can't see me. I am smiling. So that was one, one of the points where I was just like, I've had enough because I know Clinton and Obama are the ones that implemented that policy to put right. these people in, in jail. Let's just, they keep calling it cages. It's like, it's a jailed system, right? Mm-hmm. It's housing. And Trump inherited that, that system. So Trump, it's being, no one knew about it. Those photos that were shown because they said Trump has them in cages, those are from Obama, you know? So, so all these things, border security, um, national all is intertwined with national security right. and is intertwined with um, the topic of family separation. So, you know, we have to make a decision. Are we here to keep this country safe? Or are we here to take care of country, people who are outside these borders? Because we need to stabilize this country before we can let anybody in. Yeah. And, and if we do let people in, we need to know who they are. So that's the point that was being argued last night. And I could go on. And how much of that rests on us financially as Americans? Absolutely. Okay. And we talk, we talk, Donna, tell me about, um, you know, universal health care. How can someone who's undocumented benefit from universal health care when we don't have all of our U.S. citizens with health care? Right. So... It's definitely um, unprecedented times, ladies and gentlemen. It is. And I, it requires deep thought, right. not rhetoric, deep thought as to what is right. We need to definitely have a caring disposition to help those who can't help themselves, whether right. they be in this country or outside of this country. But first and foremost, what is your priority? If you are a parent, if you are an employer, 
you want to think about those people who are in your immediate environment. They, they, they are your family. If they're your employees, look at it this way. They are your family. It's your responsibility. And this is what we'll get into in our next, um, next two episodes is how do you protect your work family, your remote workers, your workers that are having to come into the office. You know, when, when, when we talk about, you know, the uh, raising the minimum wage, we're not just talking about the, the poverty level employees or anything. We're talking about all employees, you know, Absolutely. how do you keep things fair? How do you keep um, that morale of your family going when the youngest child or the, or the um, poverty stricken employee is getting special treatment and you're not. So how, how do you treat these employees so they feel as though they're getting the same amount of treatment? You know? and, absolutely. And another thing that needs to be talked about and, you know, has been talking about, talked about, you know, and I tied into race relations. Right. So we can't not use race relations as part of political agenda. No, no. It has to be a social agenda. It's something that we all, you know, I personally have had those internal conversations and resolved them within myself. Right. I don't need the government telling me how to perspective, you know, what perspective to have. You know, I've had to look at my own, you know, thought about people and pers- in pe- my perspective of people because I travel the world. I'm, am I biased against someone, you know, a group of pe- per people versus another, you know, a religious group? So these are internal dialogues. You can resolve this within yourself. You don't need the government to say you're a racist. You're not a racist because you're, you're not a racist because you're black. I beg to defer. I think people who are of color people who have a darker pigmentation can be just as racist as someone who's not right. so you you should not re- remove the burden from yeah. one group and p- place it on another so that's what they're trying to do they're trying to make trump seem like a racist when so many blacks have come on behalf of trump you know some of the rappers and i'm not a rapping fan person don't don't i don't even i barely know their names but once in a while you see the headline saying because it's not about race it's about common sense, the yeah. economy, yes. right? Yes. Your pocket, your bank account, you know, the welfare of your family, the welfare of your employees. Like Donna says, you know, if they are your employees as a small business um, owner, they are actually your family. Those are people you have to look out for. And so all those. So I want to ask, though, Donna, do you think that what is, what is it going to look like after the election, though? If we're having this rhetoric now, race relation, children in cages, Black Lives Matter, you know, COVID is spiking. Do you think that's, you know, if we elect, what would that look like with Joe Biden in the house? Do you think that's going to be all of a sudden gone? (laughs) Is that that what they plan? I'm not going to get into some of the uh, conspiracy theories that we're hearing out there. Should Biden get into, uh, into office. But, you know, um, what I will get into is, is I've had a chance of looking over some of the early voting records okay, you know, that have been that. put out by uh, University of Florida, you know. And, you know, right now, Biden is, is, um, is ahead, okay? He's leading. He's leading right now. But he's the first one to say that doesn't mean Trump might not win. I think he's ahead by 12 points right now is what it is. But 
what we're seeing here is we're seeing an exponential increase in early voting than we have in the last uh, probably eight, uh, eight, 12 years. Obama wow. originally, and, and a lot of it is, I, I attribute a lot of it to COVID. Okay, a great deal of it is, you know, is because of COVID. The other part, I think, is also because of the fact that um, both presidents are heavily involved in digital marketing and social media to put out their propaganda, less on television and radio and, and you know, things like that. I'm writing a book right now called Social or Sociopathic, which we do get into this a little bit in that book at the amount of change in the way that presidential elections and primaries are being conducted now and the information getting out there. But yes, the numbers are um, astronomical. Uh, I'm trying to see where it really got to it. I think it said that... um, there's, there's something like five, three billion people on social media currently, more than three billion people on social media currently, you know, and uh, it said in 2020, we've got 5.9 million votes already having been cast. Wow. Um, let's see. Uh, wait. No. 27.9 million people have already voted in the 2020 general election, as opposed to four years ago, which was 5.9 million. That's a huge increase in early elections. Now, does that mean that we're going to have more voters in total? <coughs> or is that just most of our voters are getting out early with early voting, mail-in voting, you know, that type deal? You know, what's that got to what's that got to say about our presidential election this year? Well, that it's it's definitely um, piqued interest in the majority of the you know Americans and right. around the world. Actually, it's actually a global phenomenon. Everybody's watching and waiting a lot of you know, it's this is going to affect, you know, and another thing you know, we have to keep in mind that most people who are, who, who are normally not mail-in voters, they are definitely doing that early voting. I think they that's what it is. Yeah. And also, I mean, I've had so many people text me and email me and call me and say, I just want this to be over. And I think people just, just want to be done. They got their mailing balance. They just want to be done and go on with right. their lives. They have enough things. They have real issues to talk about, to think about. So, I mean, I think, um, you know, I, what I, it's in me, I'm always, you know, because I travel so much, I never know on which continent. I always say, let me do mail-in, you know, absentee ballot in the UK. But um, but it's interesting, this year, I just watched the ballot, and I knew who I was going to vote anyway, but I just like, oh, let me just send that thing off. It was just like, I knew exactly what who I was going to vote for. You know, I've been very active in this, in the local politics, but um. It, I actually wanted, I want this to be over too, because I have a backup plan in case Trump doesn't win. But, um, <laughs> don't tell me you're moving back to London. I've got, I've got, I'm not moving permanently. My mother's here, but there, there's, you know, I, I, you, it just makes you think like, oh my goodness, what is the world going to look like? You never had to think about this. They are such, they are such polarized candidates. Right. So they are very going to be, they are. they're going to be two different worlds under each, you know, leadership they're so polarized because one is political and one isn't right one is not a politician we've never had that 
We right. never had that in, in That's why I love it. as the president, you know, Absolutely. and then the other one is, is a, a lifetime politician. Absolutely. So he's used to, um, you know, being very political as far as his opponents and things like that. So, you know, it's, it's really, if you're a small business owner and if you're concerned about where our country is going, you need to get out there and vote. You need to be able to, uh, you know, uh, put your voice out there, step into your power, because as a small business owner, you do have power. You are powerful. Yes. Absolutely. So you need to Without step into your power. Let's cover one more thing. We've got five more minutes. Let's talk about climate change. Yes, climate change. Let's talk yeah. about this. You know, yeah. climate is going to change everything. I mean, climate, the ch- climate has been changing for billions of years. Mm-hmm. You know, it's shifting, right? Climate is shifting. You know, as population growth, you know, happens, you're going to have climate shift. And so, um, you know, they want to get rid of the cows because, um, you know, yeah. You know, I was a vegan for many years. I, I, I didn't, you know, I was very spiritual minded in a sense. I'm still spiritually minded, just right. different spirituality. This is, but this is, this is still, this is a, 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 a good indication about how lobbyists can special interest groups special interest groups can manage to run a campaign absolutely overrun a campaign you know yes climate change is extremely important but is it more important than our own people right now absolutely okay you know how much money al gore has made since his um since that film what is it the uh, inconvenience truth do you know how much money that man has made? And, you know, he's become more famous for that than actually the uh, his being vice president. These people have an agenda. And you have to think about, you know, and I don't want to get political on this. I mean, this, this last comment may have sounded very bipartisan, I mean, very uh, partisan, but that's not the intention because they are quite, you know, the, you know, even here in the Republic, in the uh, Florida, which is a Republican governor, he's now leaning towards, you know, being, um, concern with the environment there there's nothing wrong i don't litter on the street i'm I'm mindful of not running you know the water you can be mindful and not be sort of uh, obsessed because it's become and i've heard someone say i mean it's not my definition that some of these people it's become a religion for them right Right. climate climate you know uh, activists have made this their religion which is which I understand if that is in their heart, you know, and things like that, but to put it as a presidential um, platform, okay, to the extinction of those that are, I feel are more important, okay? Climate change is extremely important, and we have those, those special interest groups, you know, and things like that, that we can you know, draw upon to bring awareness and everything, but to, to make this a presidential platform. Absolutely. Okay. When we've got COVID running around and we've got, you know, um, uh, people who are just dying, you know, and stuff like that, not because of, of climate change, but because of, you know, uh, issues as far as inter international, um, uh, interrelations, you know, and stuff like that. If we weren't such an open country, you know, we probably wouldn't have gotten the COVID, but that is what we were founded on. Absolutely. A a country that welcomed others. 
and look at what it did to us. It did. And so, you know, it's interesting because Trump says, you know, I came out of the, the Paris, you know, chain. He talked about, you know, all these other um, countries like China and Russia and, you know, the, the pollution in the air in those countries. And these countries are posturing because they're like, well, look, I'm part of this climate change. But I really, is, are their internal policies reflective of what do, the document that they are signing, those agreements? You know, you got to walk the walk, not talk the talk. So right. that's the thing with this non-politician. He talks, he walks the walk versus talk the talk. A lot of people are posturing like, I'm part of the ch- climate change, Paris climate agreement. All good. The lead, I mean, the people in France um, were so distraught with this whole Paris climate change agreement or pa- Paris, um, Paris agreement. Right. They wanted the president out because he was taxing I think gas, um, you know, petrol, because they he wanted to eradicate petrol. And the, some people, first of all, they work in that industry and they need to put gas in their car to get to work. And the fact that they are, he's put such a, amaze, a, a, a significant um, tax hike on, on petrol, on, on gasoline, makes it hard for people to, you know, to travel, to right. put gas in their cars. So these people are like, I'm for climate, you know, uh, changing climate, but you can't just get rid of petrol before, you know, you can smooth out the, the details for the population. You can't just say, because you, nobody, you, know, you know, these countries are not dictatorships. You know, you want a dictatorship, you want somebody who's going to be like, this is what I'm going to do, and I don't care what the people say. Well, there are countries like that. I think you should go there. But for people who live in a democracy, in a republic, I think there should be the, the majority of the people, everybody should be involved in the conversation. So you can't just say, because you think that this is the way forward, that everybody should get on board or just get off board, right? right? Or stay away. But um, some people now, even in millennials, because you have kids of that age group, Donna, they say they're not having kids because they, they don't want to burden the planet. Yeah. What is that? Yeah. You know, so so those some are interesting conversations that we'll continue to have with you. They are, and we're at the end of our half hour, and uh, like I said, another lively discussion on the political issues going on. I'm not going to say that we're not going to have any more, but for for now, we're going to close out this session, um, encouraging everybody to get out there and vote on the third. Uh, your vote does count. You do have that power. And uh, let's see what happens on the third. Sandra? Yes, I'm so excited to have this, you know, this session on our uh, second, um, what is it, our second season. As you know, we were away for a while, but we're back better and stronger. COVID or not, we're going to be here for you consistently every week. Um, So stay tuned for more exciting topics. Please reach out to us and let us know what you'd like us to discuss. And also feel free to reach out and look up, you know, go to our website, which is chargedupstudio.live. Um, Charged and my name is Sandra Dorsey. I am the founder and CEO of Sendor Capital. Until next time. Yes. Talk to you later. Okay. Okay. Yes. I'm so sorry. My Skype went off. Are you able to edit that out? Your Skype went off. Oh, yeah. No, no, I'm not concerned. That's so minor. We don't worry about that kind of stuff. This is live. So, you know, 
um, okay. yeah, I'll edit it out. Do you want to so, start at least going into one of the um, healthcare, the the mental health? Yeah, why don't we do that? We might as well. Let's go let's for get it. the remote uh, one out of the way, and then we'll hit the other one the next time. Okay. Okay. Did you, did you start last time or did I? Uh, I did. Okay. Yeah. So. Um, okay. So, uh, remote. So. Hello and welcome back to another fantastic episode of Charged Up Studio Live. My name is Sandra Dorsey. I am the founder and CEO of Sendor Capital. And today we, um, actually, let me bring in my co-hosts so that you can know we're both here. <laughs> hey, Sandra. Hello, everybody. This is Dana Olivo, CEO of Marketatomy, LLC. And we are here today. We're going to be talking a little bit about, we're still concentrating on COVID, but what we're talking about is how to protect the mental health of your remote workers. Sandra? Absolutely. Such an important topic because I myself have been working remotely for over a decade. And, you know, I, 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 love the idea of not having an office because I was in corporate banking for so long that, you know, I had two offices. I shuffled back and forth. Back then it was like, it was good. It was like a status thing. You know, I have two offices, come to my office, but it got old. And after I started traveling around the world, I realized how unnecessary it was. You're paying rent, you're paying, um, all sorts of additional overheads. But, you know, as far as a business, and now I have remote staff, I actually have quite a few um, administrative staff and support staff that work remotely, um, you know, some of them in, in, in the UK, some of them, you know, in different parts of the world, but I'm in some in the US. And so I'm very grateful to that everyone else has caught up to me, but that doesn't come without challenges. Right, yeah. Donna? Right, right. Exactly. I mean, as a small business owner, I had my own office, which I had to give up when COVID started. Um, primarily, uh, I had to give that up because, um, I did a lot of one-on-one -on -one consulting, and as a result of COVID, I couldn't meet one-on-one -on -one anymore. So we were had had to um, resort to virtual meetings and things like that. But the income went down, so we had to cut back on our budgets, you know. But I still like Sandra. I have remote workers that work with me. Um, I what I've learned working with remote workers is. Patience, flexibility, um, understanding that I need to be clearer in my communication efforts with them, um, and I have to do it face-to-face -face via Zoom. I can't do it just through the phone or anything like that. If I don't have those facial reactions in front of me, it's difficult for me to pinpoint whether they understood what I said or not. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Okay. So what we're trying to get at is um, what are some of the things that we could as employers do for our employees who are working remotely to make them feel as though they're still, they're still connected to the Absolutely. work environment. Absolutely. So, you know, I don't know about you, but my, my home environment is pretty, um, it's pretty quiet. I'm very, you know, I'm very grateful for that. So the thing is, um, I, but I'm on a lot of calls and yeah. you, 
if you are living on your own and you don't have that, if you have a remote worker and you have someone who's not accustomed to it, let's just start there. Mm-hmm. So I have, I'm pretty seasoned at this kind of, you know, practice of, you right. know, traveling and being back home and doing my thing and getting on conference calls from home. I'm disciplined. So I'm the business owner. I've come to in- implement a system for me that keeps me on track, on schedule and keeps me accountable. But in this day of COVID, and that's what we want to address, the people who are not accustomed to working from home. So you have the private, first of all, the most, the biggest problem is isolation. Right. So I'm the kind of person, you know, I don't necessarily need a lot of humans to be happy. So um, I, I'm doing okay because I spend so much time talking. I'm a talker, so I can feel fulfilled. No joke. <laughs> oh, no joke, right? So I can feel completely satisfied and fulfilled just on talking business all day, being on the phone, talking to people, I get, um, I get um, fueled that way, you know, talking business, you know, thinking about my next big idea, my next big project, that's enough for me. But I've cultivated that within myself because I have an established practice of meditation where I actually can go off in silence and disconnect. But you're disciplined. Yes. I am. So, but when you have those people, people who are not accustomed to this type of of system, you're going to have them, they're going to feel disconnected because those are the people, especially if you have a small office and you're used to having people in in a um, small environment. I could tell you now that Donna and I are doing remote, I do miss interacting with her in that small studio that we had. There was something about the energy and feeling the joy and the stimulation when we had guests. That's even, that's, that's a different, um, experience for us doing this here, but we're talking about also, also people who are used to having every day, nine to five in an office now have to be in a remote, their screen, their, um, they are having um, in their 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 work fam- their work their coworkers became their family right right so right. now they are having if whether they are living alone whether they're living family let me tell you not a lot of people not many people um a lot of people don't necessarily like the people they live with so the the people at, at the office became you know sort of a support system escape, for them escape yeah yeah so um the problem of isolation is the biggest one so now we want to talk about, you know, uh, how we can, <clears throat> excuse me, right? how we can um, troubleshoot or even identify, because some people who are not used to it may not know that this is a problem for them. But you as a leader, you need to be prepared as a business owner to be able to spot the, 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 the signs, the right. signs when somebody is not having a good mental health right. day. Right. And that's exactly it. You know, there's the, the difference between what we don't realize is working within an office, okay, whether we have a job behind the computer or not, all right, working in an office, there is a tendency to get up and walk around. There's a tendency to, to, to you know, not stick in one place. Whereas when you're working at home remotely, what you find a lot of times is you're spending more time sitting in front of your computer rather than walking around and being distracted. That's if you have a dedicated workspace at home. If you don't have a dedicated workspace at home, naturally there's going to be a lot of interruptions and and things like that. So if you start 
hearing that your employee is not feeling well or is getting sick a lot or is the back, their back is feeling bad or something like that, chances are they're not getting the exercise and the activity and the fresh air that they need to get in order to stay healthy. So, Absolutely. Yes. It's something to say for, you know, um, the tribe. You know, we were born on this planet with, you know, a group of people for a reason. So if, it, you know, especially those, those workers that actually live alone, this is a dire, this is a dire um, situation for people who actually have been, who don't have anyone to, you know, to interact with. Interaction is one of the keys. Yeah. I mean, I'm a, I'm a networker by, you know, uh, my personality is networking. I love meeting people. And for the last six, seven months, I have not been able to actually get out and physically meet people, um, which has been a very difficult time for me. I meet them via virtual, you know, meetings and things like that. But there's just something missing there, that interaction, you know, as far as that's concerned. Um, but what I what also happens is with remote employees, when they're in the office, for instance, my employees, when they're in the office, it's easy for me to be checking in on them and giving them encouragement, you know, absolutely, letting them know that they're doing a good job and I'm happy with it. You know, it takes more effort on my part right now to ensure that my employees who are working remotely know I appreciate what they're doing and, and, and lifting them up to feel as though Yes, I really do appreciate what they're doing. So absolutely, it's it's you know it's and I, I so appreciate what you're saying, and it's definitely a test of leadership and character, right? Because I know there are some leaders who take it for granted when somebody's in the office not to interact with them. This is not the time to become an introvert. This is a time to be an extrovert and check in on your on your people and set a time. You know, so we have the problem. It's like it's the poor leadership. If you already had. Um, and you know, this is not a judgment, but right. I'm just trying to troubleshoot, uh, you know, help you in the audience mm-hmm. troubleshoot some of the things. If you were an introvert and sometimes that didn't necessarily your, you know, there are some people who, um, their leadership skills are more in the execution than the interaction. Right. So they execute, they send you away. They don't want to, don't come into my office, leave me. I've got other things. They're more into, you know, right. um, you know, they're more into, you know, planning the meetings, you know, um, creating the, the guidelines, the paperwork and all that. But, um, you know, now you've become more of a sort of what uh, a caretaker because right. you got to make sure that this person is well enough that you need to, sh- they need to show up the next day in the next day. Of course, you'd like to n- think that your employees are self-reliant, but not everybody is that because a lot of people are, are not business um entrepreneur minded. They're not disciplined enough to keep themselves on track. Well, so, okay that will come out in the deliverables. Okay. If they're not delivering what they promised to deliver or whatever, then you know that there's something there that's keeping them from being um, uh, committed and focused on what their job is. Absolutely. And so we, so we have a few points to think about. So we talk about the problem of isolation, you know, the leadership and the communication needs to be constant and consistent consistent. Right. Don't, you know, say, okay, well, I talked to them today and, you know, I'm, I think they're good, but check in, you know, find out from them what's going on. Um, so the limited control over time management, 
So we have people to, um, who are now going to be distracted. They're not going to be incubated by the office, but they're going to be in, at home with the family or at home checking their phones. I mean, I know there are some environments who prevent people from having their phone. Like if you're in, you know, in a more structured environment, right. these people are constantly on Facebook now. So you keep in mind, social media is more available ever before. And for some people, it's kind of healthy for them to be on social media. But is that all they're doing all day? Are they in what Donna said earlier is the deliverables? Is it, you know, demonstrative of a eight hour workday? And um, the the roles to are the are those are the responsibilities clear? And is is it are the task and objective? clearly outline so mm-hmm. that these people do not feel lost by themselves. And also the emotional support for employees. I know some large corporations actually have as part of their um, insurance plans, some, right. you know, hotlines where people can call, you yeah. know, you know, sometimes, you know, people just need that extra emotional support. And I think that people in an office do provide some kind of buffer between the home environment and the world. So it's kind of like a, um, a family because some offices usually have potlucks, et cetera. Yeah. It's been a while since I've been there. So whatever those things do happen in, in that side. Of, and but, that's you know, an excellent yeah. point to bring up. Okay. I think, you know, having a, some kind of a psychi- psychologist or, or somebody, a consultant. I'll go to it. Yeah. Uh, to, to be there available, you know, uh, for those that do struggle to work from home. All right. I think that's extremely important. And I'm sure you don't have to be a big company to um, be able to afford something like this. You know, I'm sure that there's many small companies, if they were to join forces, you know, and come in as a group, they could probably afford to hire somebody you yes. know, to, to do this. You know, the other thing is, is when we're talking about um, communication, okay, one of the biggest things that happened when we were talking about working remotely is companies were not prepared technologically. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so they had to come up to speed extremely fast um, in order to continue work as usual remotely. And one, some of the things that to be considered is um, having a a live chat sequence so that you are online with somebody all day long. Okay. You've got somebody who's behind a chat room. And if you have a question, you just, you know, it's just like being there, except you're not physically there you know, right. so you can, you can be chatting back and forth. And then the other thing is, um, uh, my husband who is working remotely and he works for a very large organization and he works with several different teams. They talk during lunch. It's a working lunch every single day and they have That's a meeting. Excellent. Yeah. They have a meeting. So it's not interfering in their work hours, but it's their lunch hour. Okay. And they have a meeting to where they discuss, okay, where are we today and what, where do we need to get by tomorrow? That way you have shorter, smaller goals, uh, you know, and deliverables that need to be done. Absolutely. But there are, there, there are people that you would not have to worry about them underworking. You actually yeah. have those who are overworking and people right. who can crash and burn. So exactly. that's a consideration too. 
I used to be one of those people as a small business owner. I'm sure you can relate because uh-huh. when you are working in at something that you're passionate about, because I'm sure you have employees who love what they do. Right. And so, but it's about, you know, you know, it's, it's important that you, again, you, uh, you emphasize what's needed and the hours that are, that are going to be worked. So if, if it's ambiguous and you have, employees who you know you're calling them they, they are on the computer i don't know i think there may be at some point systems where you can see if the employee is online or not but you know if they're on the computer 24 hours a day working 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 and you know compensating for all the other teammates because there are some people oh, who are yeah. going to underwork so that's a consideration again it's about mental health and making sure that these people have work like work life balance right. even though they work from home Donna's um, premise to call um, the, the conversation with the fact that they need to get out. So yeah. we talk about some, so, so um, the some recommendation yeah. in summary, uh, we, you know, we talked about um, what worked, what has um, worked for both of us, but we want to emphasize that it is important. The most important one for me anyway, is communication. Like Donna said, her husband gets on a noon uh, a daily noon call with his team so that he can continue to feel connect, that connection right, and, right. and keeping a regular schedule. So I know, um, I know there are some people who actually have a, um, uh, how can I say a, um, a, a designated person on the team who is, uh, what do you call it? A, a, a team um, cheerleader and uh, small businesses, you partner. need that. Yeah, accountability. Cheerleader, yeah. maybe as a business owner, you may not be the one to be able to do that. Right. And, you know, you may not be able to afford a psychologist, but you can afford to say to someone, you know, why don't you take charge of, you know, the, uh, you know, connecting? Because sometimes... Mm-hmm. People don't necessarily want to be in touch with the business owner every day, which is right. why you have someone in between, you know, a, a different, a layer between you and those employees right. to be able to um, check in with them. And they may tell that person something that they may not tell you because they know right. you write the paycheck. They'll tell you everything is fine, but they may tell someone else that, you know what, I'm not having such a good day. I probably, and also one of the things we, we didn't talk about is flexibility as a business owner. Right. How flexible are you with your employees who is going to now have more um, unclear boundaries when it comes to being caretakers? You know, they ha- we have now a whole new generation. Go you ahead. might have the cat or the dog sitting in your lap while you're on the phone with your boss. <laughs> I can't tell you how many Zoom calls I've had where, you know, there's a, there's a kid running around in the back or there's an animal that's on the back of the chair. My, my cat likes to jump on the back of my chair, you know. There is, a, there is a video that went viral. I yeah. think it was a few months back, probably early day COVID, where there was a politician in Ireland who was on a Zoom call, but he forgot to put his pants on. So <gasps> he was sitting there. Yes. I'm sure you're still, it's on the internet. He's and he a, got up. <laughs> And he was just there, but the whole thing, he's, he, he was showing, he was like, you know, rubbing his leg and just talking about the issues, but his whole body was showing. And, you know, it was just hilarious that he, he saw nothing. He didn't, I guess he wasn't accustomed to technology. Wow. So he was completely exposed. And, you know, so 
also just make sure it's that funny. everyone understands. Yeah. Really. So everyone understands. So those boundaries we talk about, I was more referring to, you know, people who are caretaking for family, for parents right. or for, you know, you, you Donna have had to take care of parents, you know, right. imagine how this would have happened if this, if you had to do it now. Right. Um, and also people who are homeschooling and having to juggle. So I'm saying to the employer, flexibility is so important right now to be right. able to really listen to the needs of those people who are working remotely to mm -hmm. say to them, okay, so you're going to need a day off because your child is schooling and they need you to attend a parent conference at this time. Right. You know, what is that going to look like for you is, are your needs going to be met while the, the employee's needs are going to be, um, are being met as well. So it's all, um, it's all a, a give and take you know, to make sure that it's clear what your timelines are, what your objectives are, and what your expectation of the employees are. Right. But most of all, you know, everybody needs to be really gentle with themselves. You need to just keep in mind that we're all learning as we go along. This is all new for us. And I include myself in there. I just right. gave you an example of um, doing these sessions, um, these segments remotely with Donna in not being in the studio. So right, right. just trust that, um, you know what, you're going to have, you're going to make mistakes and it's no need for you to, you know, stress over it. Just make sure you talk to, to, to your, the people that work right. that you, um, that are on your team. Right. So. No, that's, and that's exactly it. You know, I see, um, I see talk to a uh, business coach once a week, you know, that helps me through some of these things, as far as we're talking about, you know, me being a remote worker, me being a, um, a, I wouldn't call myself an extrovert because I'm not an extrovert. I'm an introvert. My way of relaxing is sitting back and reading. Okay. But when it comes to business, I like being out in front of people. I like, um, you know, connecting with people in groups, you know, and talking to my clients face to face, you know, things like that. So, um, you know, that was difficult for me to get used to with this remote environment. You know, my sisters, I'm the oldest of seven and we would before COVID, you know, we would see each other on weekends and things like that. And all of a sudden we're having to communicate via zoom so that we can stay in touch. And we're realizing how much we miss each other, you know, so that we sneak in these weekends periodically. Um, but where I'm going with this is what it all boils down to is whether you're working from home or working in the office, all right, you have a set schedule that you work with. And working at home is no different than working in the office. You want to set up a schedule. You know, when are your break times? When you work in front of the computer, I mean, me personally, when I get in front of the computer, I get so involved in the computer that I forget what time it is and it'll be six hours later, you know, Absolutely. before I take a break. So I have a point where it's three times a day, I set a timer to remind me, get up, walk around for 15, 20 Dude, minutes. really? I, well, do. I just learned something new. Yeah, I have to, I set a timer, you know, to kind of remind me, take a break, get away from the computer. Um, you know, my most creative time is in the mornings. Mm. So I try and move all my creative copywriting and, you know, and, and things like that to the morning time. So that afternoons, you know, I can spend on things that don't require as much of my brain power, 
you know, as far as that. Absolutely. So no, that's, that's essential. I, and yeah. I see that you're, you're extremely disciplined and, um, you're, for me, it's all, I have so many devices and I'm constantly checking something. I'm, I think fortunately I'm no longer that social media person. I do have yeah. people who take care of that for me. As I said, you know, um, the human factor, I'm, I'm fueled by ideas, not necessarily by right. human. I'm the kind of person that I can just be by myself with my mind and just be in my imagination. That's what I think makes, that's why it makes me a great entrepreneur because I'm always thinking about my next great idea. And so I don't necessarily need to engage on social media, but there are people who need that type um, of, right. of interaction. But, you know, nothing against that, but, you know, all politics are run on social media right now. So as far as that, so, you know, but that can also be to somebody's detriment, yeah. you know, and if somebody's already in a low place, if you have an employee who's already in a low place and they're seeing someone else is doing so much, so much better, so much better than them, uh, you know, the, the, the depression can easily set in. Look at everybody's having a good life. Everybody's having, look at me, I'm stuck at home, you know, and so it's important. This is a time where you actually need to engage these people more than ever. Get out of your, uh, your your, environment, um, yeah. your environment and also get out of your introverted self because as a business yeah. owner you want to make sure that your your little um, fam work family is also healthy and safe right. mental health i can't say enough how important right. it is to the overall well-being you know, we, we, you know, Donna and I don't talk about physical health as much as we talk about um, mental health. I think you can deal with anything as long as you have healthy mindset. Right. And that, you know, that has to be first. Right. Because, you know, in society, I think we shy away from these conversations because we associate it with some type of, you know, flawed, broken failure. It's interesting where, where it's so easy to talk about, um, you know, a physical condition rather than talk about, you know what, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm kind of depressed today. You know, mm -hmm. people can't, it's because it's an emotional journey, right? right? And at society, we tend to move so quickly, especially with all this, you know, um, all these devices and all this technology around us, we kind of shut down our emotions. Mm -hmm. But this is not the time because so much more, so much, we are becoming more and more emotional as a result of COVID. And, you know, and I want to say to, you know, we haven't said that in the last couple of episodes, but I want to say that if you have lost a loved one, if you have had someone who is suffering um, through the, you know, the, uh, depression, anxiety, mental health issues, you know, people, their suicide rates are up, you know, in teenagers and young adults, as well as, you know, um, adults, there are resources out there. Make sure you have those resources available for right. your employees. Do not be afraid to have those conversations because sometimes you may be the only person that person has to talk to. So you ask them, is everything okay? Right. And you make sure they know that you are there for them, right. you know? And so um, we want to say, you know, that our heart go out to those people who are struggling right now doing COVID, working remotely, even in the employers who are having, who have employees who are dealing with difficult, you know, with difficulties um, relating to mental health um, for their employees. And for those who have had family members, you know, um, had an uh, impact of suicide in their family um, in, in the last in the last six, eight months during COVID or any other time. You know, this is a conversation that needs to happen more and more. I have a client in the UK who who has a mental health or a system that um, is 
a healing system that's you know focused on mental health and I was, she was suggesting that I reach out to politicians and say, well, I'm not really up to that. She goes, who in, in the U.S. Politi- political world focuses on mental health? You know, I couldn't think of one person. I, so, I, I can't think of anybody either. So know? that's why I say it's important. Really get involved and find out who is interested so that you can really have them speak up more right. during this time. So right. as you know, <laughs> time out for me. I said yeah. it. I think we have given you quite a bit of information this time. My name is Sandra Dorsey. I am the co-founder of CEO of Sendor Capital. And um, please let us know how we can assist you. Let us know if you have any questions after the show, put your um, reach out to us. And that's it for now. I'm Dana Oliva with Marketatomy LLC. And we look forward to reaching back out to you next week. Talk to you later. Talk to you later. So my remote employee is like, she's on, she called on Skype. She called, she's WhatsApping me. I need to speak to you. I, she makes me think that I work for her actually. Yeah. I need to speak with you. So those are one of the challenges because they're so needy. Yeah. And you know, and I'm like, can you just text me? She goes, no, I need to speak with you. And then yeah. I say, I, I text her, say voice me. Cause you can voice on WhatsApp. And she's not going to give up until she actually speaks to me. So that's one of the challenges of remote working. But um, it's okay. I got it under control. But this was a great session. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.